0: There's greatness in you. Let's talk about it. Hey, everyone. I'm Dr. Jamil Saej, and welcome to the Transformation Starts Today podcast, where I interview leaders, champions, and high performers from all walks of life as they share their story, the lessons they've learned along the way, and empowering perspectives to help you create an extraordinary life without regret, starting today. Today, we have with us Christopher Maher. At the age of 22, Christopher Lee Maher was a Navy SEAL. In his prime, with a sleek 1.8% body fat, and pound pound for pound, he was one of the fittest people on the planet. He was also completely unaware of the full impact that stress would eventually have on his physical, mental, energetic, and emotional well-being. He trained all day long at a level on par with professional athletes. In fact, after the SEALs, he began focusing on his dream of making it to the U.S. Olympic Trials in track and field. A lack, of unaware- a lack of awareness of the impact of high stored stress loads kept him from ever manifesting his dream. Like many high-performing athletes, he dealt with pain on a semi-consistent basis. Over time, that escalated to pain in every joint in his body. He was headed for a full-blown hip replacement, resorted to reading lips because his hearing was shot, and his vision wasn't much better. He barely slept and spent his days like a zombie. Through intense pain, Christopher devoted all of his energy, time, and resources seeking out answers. That would alleviate his discomfort. Eventually finding relief, Christopher applied the learning techniques and worked on himself five to six hours every day for seven years. He put every biological system that was out of balance back into balance. Christopher went on to study at the Pacific College of Oriental Medicine and Yosan University where he learned traditional Chinese medical practices and an equal amount of western science and pathology. He has spent the last decade studying at the universal healing Dao system, and is a master student of Grand Master Montak Chia at the Universal Dao Master School in Chiang Mai, Thailand. He is currently pursuing his master's and doctoral degrees in traditional Chinese medicine. Christopher's practice is located in Los Angeles, California. He is an author, inventor, entrepreneur, speaker, coach, and innovator in the fields of health wellness and longevity. Christopher, it is such an honor and a privilege to have you on the show, man. Thank you for being oh, here.
1: Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. That was a, that. was a great intro. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it myself. I was know. like, wow, <laughs> that guy's amazing.
0: <laughs> All right, thank you. It's been, uh, for, the, for our listeners, Christopher, the first time either of us are meeting each other and we got a few yeah. minutes to catch up in the beginning of the show. And it's one, it was wonderful. Just human to human, soul to soul, laughter, connection, and yeah, You know, I'm excited to be here
1: with you. Yeah, I'm happy to be here too. You know, that's why I was glad we got to talk beforehand so we can catch a vibe Mm -hmm. and then let everybody, you know, grow from that, right? Mm -hmm. Because for me, it's always about the connection, right? The connection is sincere, if it's genuine, if it's deep, if it's it's coming from mutual respect for the purpose of dual cultivation, then it's a win-win-win for everyone right? It's a win for you. It's a win for me. It's a win for the listener. And that those are the dynamics and situations that I want to be a part of.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'd imagine everyone is listening already. It's funny. Like, there's always moments and opportunities to learn with what Christopher just shared. What could be possible for everyone listening? If at least one, and my challenge is every, but let's say at least one relationship in your life today. What if you could just connect more genuinely, go deeper, have mutual respect and have a genuine desire to understand the other person and what could be possible if you were to do that in your world instead of being in a rush and being distracted and it seems to be a common theme for so many of us and we may be doing it unintentionally but it happens nonetheless more often than probably we would like and so let's slow it down and let's be present with everyone right in front of us and especially for this wonderful conversation that we're about to have and so Christopher, for my listeners who don't know you yet and they haven't heard your story, can you please give us a deeper dive into your bio that I read and share with us who you are, what led you to where you are today, and what inspired you to do what you do?
1: Yeah, um, I think first we'll start out with, look, if, as a listener, you know, so you can tune in deeply, I think it'd be best if you took a deep breath, right? Like taking a deep breath, whatever stress you've been dealing with today, exhale and let it go. And let yourself get present. Um, My history, my journey, my path, you know, the, the way that was let out for me was simple, right? In the sense that pain became my greatest teacher, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm the type of person where it's okay if things outside of me don't work. I have very little noise about that. So if I go to like, say your house and I'm hungry and I put some bread in a toaster and the toaster doesn't work, I'm like, yeah, whatever. But if there's something in my body and it doesn't work, it is unacceptable to me. Mm. And once I finally decided to bend the knee, right, to step out of stoicism as a male and and to leave that mindset of it's got to be difficult in order to be worthwhile once i did that and it's 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 kind of an amazing story i i was in iceland and i was in a sweat lodge okay and it was run by this gay couple named noni and hather and they had learned these techniques from the last native american indian from a tribe in south dakota right so he moved to iceland and he taught them for like seven years so these guys had the they had the sweat lodge native american system down pat and on the fifth round they dump a bunch of water on the hot stones and the steam rises to the top Of the dome that you're sitting in. And the dome is right above your head. And on the fifth round, they want you to raise your hands as high as you can and keep them up there as long as you can. And I was always the type of guy like, well, I'm going to be the last one to put my fingers down, right? I have a healthy, well defined ego. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm very competitive. And I had my hands up. And suddenly I heard this little voice say to me, hey, buddy. The ground is very cool. If you want, you can lay down. Keeping your hands up any longer proves absolutely nothing. And I was like, what? Yeah. You can put your hands down, and you can lay on the ground where it's nice and cool and comfy. And I said, you know what? Let's check it out. And I laid down there on my right side and I thought, oh, I've been going at this all wrong. I get it. Suddenly there was a chink in the armor, right? I let a chink bend that metal, that, that, ex- uh, that excessive state of intensity. I allowed it to have a nice little, um, let's say a broken arrow right i allowed it to break and then what i did is i took out my standing tool and i created a completely different kind of way of functioning and that was a big day for me right and as as anyone has in their life you have these moments these aha moments where spirit is stepping in to this intense experience that you're having and it speaks with a really soft voice right Versus the loud voice that was in the back of my head, like, keep your hands up. No need to cower from this. You think you're going to make me put my hands down? That's never going to happen, right? Instead of running that story, when the voice comes in and it's really soft and it's complete opposite contrast, it gives me the opportunity to go, hmm, maybe I could question the way I'm going about this. And so I let that pain and then my desire to experience the unknown be a driver in my life to go, there's moments when it's appropriate for me to keep my hands up because it's to my benefit to allow all that heat to remove the excessive tension in the tips of my fingers. And then there's a moment when I've gone beyond what's good for me. And as you can imagine, being a former U.S. Navy SEAL, my go button is very big and very deep, right? I remember I, I would I would sign up to go to semi-professional sports camps. And it would always be like professional basketball players, professional football players there, professional soccer players from MLS. and And we would start working out. And I would just grind these guys into the ground. And I was always attempting to prove that I had value based on what I was doing versus how I was being. And when I shifted gears that day, um, the next level of change started to happen for me. And then I said, oh, okay, well, this moment, yeah, it sounds like a good idea to go hardcore. This moment seems like it's a better idea to ease back. Before, I only had one speed, and, and I think a lot of men, because we're, we've been under the pressure to produce, to protect, and to provide for thousands and thousands and thousands of years with no excuses, no bitching, no moaning, and no complaining. Um, we've been indoctrinated and taught that, hey, there's no time for feelings right now you're on a battlefield this guy he's swinging a battle axe this other guy behind you he's swinging a sword who cares if you're missing your thumb right now you need to survive and live and i look at society and i look at myself and i think that we've been trapped in survival based strategies for so long that we believe that the strategies are actually us. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it impossible to slow down, right? Makes it impossible to take a half step back, makes it impossible to take a deep breath because guess what? If I take my foot off the gas, I might lose everything. I might lose my wife. I might lose my family. I might lose my job. I might lose my company. And when you are being driven, as I was by survival-based strategies, you start burning up deep levels of core energy. And when you burn up deep levels of core energy, your sense organs start to fail, right? Your vision starts to fail. Your taste starts to fail. Your smell starts to fail. Your hearing starts to fail. Okay, your touch, your emotional sensitivity, all those things get severely reduced. And I was in a state by the time I was 29 years old where that was happening for me. And yet on the outside, I looked like Adonis, right? like a beautiful bronze statue, lean, strong, balanced top to bottom, left to right, back to front, yet underneath the hood, I was completely out of balance. And I kept all that to myself. So the pain that I had in my knee, I never whined and never bitched I never complained and never moaned because I was indoctrinated into understanding that If you don't mind dealing with discomfort and pain, it really doesn't matter. The challenge with that philosophy is it's a limiting belief. What I mean by that is the body will fight back. It will say, hey, if you refuse to slow things down, I'm going to grind your low back down to a halt, so now you're going to be stuck in bed. Mm -hmm. See if you like that, or... You're going to get a cold and your cough is going to last for three and a half months. Or you're going to get the beginnings of a headache and it's going to turn into a migraine for six days. And you're going to be dizzy, puking, unable to hold food down, unable to sleep, and you're going to be suffering because the body, what I've learned over time, the body's the king. Yet the mind wants to prove to you all the time that it's the boss and really the body is the boss. And it took me a long time till I was 29 um, to really realize that everything that I do to my body, there's a positive cost and there's a negative cost if I go beyond my threshold to be able to recover from that stress load in a 24-hour period. And now Monday's stress ends up getting lobbed into Tuesday and Monday and Tuesday get lobbed into Wednesday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday get lobbed into Thursday and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday get lobbed into Friday. And then I have a couple glasses of wine, a beer, a cigarette, and and a couple puffs of weed and a few slices of cake over the weekend. So I can start to feel normal. And yet the challenge is those addictive substances, meaning the daily acceptable drugs, the nicotines, the caffeines, the alcohols, the refined sugars, uh, the pharmaceutical drugs, the marijuana, the recreational drugs, the food colorings, the preservatives, our addiction to those substances is an indication of how intense our unresolved stress loads are. And so what, 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 what can I do? when I came to the planet, there was no successful pattern interrupts for your stress load. You basically had to deal with whatever trauma you went through as a child, you lived it out as an adult. Again, whatever trauma you dealt with as a child, you lived out as an adult. So my mom, she committed suicide when she was 29 because she had someone break her physical, emotional, and sexual boundaries. And she Belden found it difficult to live with that level of betrayal and to trust the world around her. Because guess what? When a woman leaves the house, she goes to work, there's men at work, right? She goes to the gas station, there's a guy pouring her gas. When she goes to the grocery store, there's a guy bagging her groceries, right? And so she's in the world, she's locked into an inappropriate stress state, and everywhere she goes, there's someone who has a penis, Right? And anyone who has a penis to someone who's ever been raped or molested is a threat. So my mom, even though she went to church and she prayed and um and and she understood the value of having a strong relationship with God, the overwhelming fear and anxiety in her was so great that the best idea when she was 29 was to take her life. Mm-hmm. And so people are dealing with these unremitting, unremitting unremitting, unremitting levels of stress and tension and emotional and psychological and energetic distortion every single day. And so when you look around, when I look around and I have to go to the airport or go to the grocery store, I have to see people with these twisted bodies, right? And I know when I see the twisted body, they have a twisted mind. And I know when I see how their head is twisted on top of their neck, they have twisted emotions, right? And so we live in a world where people are doing everything they can to manage successfully these unremitting levels of stress that are stored in their body, stored in their brains, stored in their nervous system, stored in their emotions, and keep them feeling keep them from feeling intense, deep levels of peace, inner satisfaction, excitable emotions, a loving spirit, a peaceful heart, and a quiet, relaxed, slow, present mind. So what do we do, right? How do we go about... um, opening up the doorway well guess what uh, I was seven so my mom was 20 so let's so let's say 22 years later after my mom passed guess what happened I was 29 and my body was shutting down okay so r- right on time right and I started studying epigenetics and recognizing the brain and all these other systems that are out there to get a full understanding of what we're dealing with as humans on a daily basis. So that once we come to the realization that, oh, you know what? I am stressed. Meaning once we're willing to have an open, honest conversation with ourselves and go, hey, I'm overwhelmed. And my capacity to process my daily stress load is lower than the stress that's coming in, I don't have enough resistance against my outer world. Once people are willing to be honest that way, they can reach out to people like you. They can reach out to people like me. They can find a chiropractor. They can find an energetic worker. They can find a, a personal trainer. They can find a dietitian. They can find someone who's into nutrition, Right. And then they can start taking steps to have other people from the outside evaluate, help them evaluate how they're living their life. And they can begin to question, hey, is this the best pattern for me? Without someone being willing to have a deep, open, honest conversation with themselves first, how are they ever going to get into a vulnerable enough state? A transparent enough state, an honest enough state to invite someone in to their inner pain, right? To their the brain fog that they're dealing with on a daily basis, the debilitating anxiety that they're dealing with on a daily basis, the ineffectual sleep that they're getting every single night, the deep levels of exhaustion they're feeling every day. How are they going to do that, right? Unless there's people like me and there's people like you that are opening up, taking time out of our day, right, to open up and go, hey, listen, let me help you, okay? And look, there's lots of listeners who are going to listen to this call, and yet ultimately, hopefully, at least one of them takes heartfelt action to their own benefit, at least one. If you can get one person, then it's worth it, right? Right? And it takes a lot of courage and I get it. It takes a lot of courage, especially for a man to reach out and go, Hey, I'm overwhelmed and I'm in need of help. Can you help me? Can you help me? That's a big step, right? Because I come from a family on my mother's side of alcoholics. That's how they dealt with what they were dealing with. My mother's father, my grandfather, spigots, he died of cirrhosis of the liver, right? What does that tell you? It tells you that he was mentally unwell. He was emotionally unwell. My mother committed suicide at 29. What does that tell you? Mentally and emotionally, he was unwell, right? So what do we do? How how do we go about waking up like what's the first step it may be as easy as getting a chair putting the chair in front of a mirror sitting in the chair and having a deep honest open conversation with your soul where you sit down and you ask some basic questions like is this all there really is to life Another question, why am I here? Another question, why am I suffering needlessly? Another question, why is it so difficult for me to ask for help? And when you're willing to sit with yourself and ask these deep, ruminating, life-changing questions, you're gonna start to get some answers. And those answers are gonna allow you to take a step. Like I got a DUI, when I was 27 and uh, they put me in a drunk tank and I blew 0.08, which means that the officers, I was literally maybe half a mile from my house. They could maybe less than a half a mile, maybe more like quarter mile. They could have let me go, right? They could have said 0.08. All right, we're, we're going to follow you home. Fortunate for me, they didn't. They took me down to the drunk tank when I went in, I sat down on the bench to the left. There were five other guys sitting on the right and they were um, as the English would say, they were knackered, right? They were totally um, absent for what was going on. And a couple of them had urinated themselves and I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, what the hell are these guys thinking? And then I hear a little voice again, say, Oh, Let me tell you something, buddy. If you don't get your act together, this will be you in a few years. And I thought, what? Yeah, this is going to be you in a few years. And guess what? The jail, it was cold, right? stark contrast to what I was experiencing the night before, the day before, which was I was at a track and field invitational at the University of California, San Diego, And less than 24 hours later, I'm sitting in a drunk tank. And part of me is going, you know what? You're right. If I don't get my act together, the dreams, the goals, the aspirations that I have, are they going to happen? The likelihood is no. So one of my buddies picked me up, went back to the house. I was a bit embarrassed. And as soon as I walked in, I took off my shoes and I could have I could have gone right straight upstairs, but something told me turn right and go to the downstairs half bath. I turned right and I went into the bath and there's this huge mirror, right? It covers the whole wall. And I sat there for myself, sat there with myself, and I talked to myself for a couple of hours. And what I came to is my spirit said to me very clearly, you need to figure out how you got here. How did you get to this moment of being in jail? You need to go over your history. And I called my Aunt Betty and I said, hey, listen, I want to tell you something disturbing. And I'm embarrassed. And I shared with her. And she goes, well, what do you mean? You come from a family of alcoholics. And because it was family, I never really looked at it that way. I thought, oh. Oh. And? Fortunate for me in San Diego, they have a very specific, specific way they deal with people who are driving under the influence. You have to go to AA meetings. You have to take two college courses. They impound your car. Next thing I'm riding a bus to school, right? I'm leaning on like my 18-year-old friends. I'm 27, my 18-year-old, 19-year-old track mates. I'm leaning on, on them to give me a ride to school. And that opened me up to really take a good, deep look at myself. And I decided that afternoon I would get on the phone and call everyone that I was drinking with and partying with and um, up all hours of the night, hanging out with. And I called them up and I said something very simple. If you're calling me or I've said, I got a DUI, I've decided I'm changing my life. I'm going in a different direction. If you're calling me to party, drink beer, face women, whatever it is you want to do in that realm, you should lose my number. If you're calling me because you want to barbecue, you want to watch a football game, you want to watch a fight, whatever you want to do, cool, I'm down. But don't call me if you're looking to go down that road. I'm done with that. And I never look back. I never, ever looked back. And I was fortunate that there were these moments, these little awakening moments where there was a voice that said, Hey, wake up, buddy. It's time to wake up. It's time to wait. Like, and you know, when you're si- and I'm, I was good at rationalizing and justifying then any behavior, but there's no way you can justify yourself out of sitting in jail. There's no story you can tell yourself like you're in jail. You took an action, right? You drank alcohol. You took an action. You decided to speed on the way home. And this is where you're at. This is the consequence of those choices. And I believe the cold and the smell and the dark contrast of that made me really look at my successfully curated image and decide to get in, in reality And get out of fantasy because no one who's knocking back booze on the weekend is going to be making it to the Olympic trials to get a chance at maybe living out their dream that those two things, they're diametrically opposed. And yet I was living in the fantasy that I could do all those things and everything would work out swimmingly and the opposite happened, right? So I've been very aware of the impact of stress. And when I have a big, a big moment, a, a, a moment where it's time to shift gears, I'm always willing to shift gears and leave everything behind. And I think that is a skill. And I think it's a trust that I have with spirit right? The trust that I have with my relationship with God. And I've always said since I was was a little kid, make the road signs and the billboards really big for me when it's time for me to change. And when I've stepped too far off the path, life has always given me a good smack behind the back of my head and said, hey, it's time to wake up. And so as a listener... The question from me to you is, where have these moments happened for you? And why are you choosing to stay asleep where the universe is wanting to support you to wake up? And if you can sit down and answer that question honestly in front of a mirror, looking in your own eyes, I think you got a real shot at experiencing deep levels of freedom. Because it all begins with me. It all begins with you. If you can be honest with yourself, you got a really good shot at building a life with no regret. If you're dishonest with yourself, you've got a really good shot at building a life full of regret. And so everyone on the call, all the listeners have had these moments where life has slapped them and said, hey, wake up. What's keeping you from honoring the gift that the universe is giving you, right? Is there something that you need to share with someone? Do you need to find somebody that you really trust to be able to offload to them an experience that you feel ashamed of that you've been keeping to yourself, right? Hire professional. Like if, if it's impossible for you to find somebody in your life who you trust enough to go? Hey, I'm suffering from this, or I've been hiding cookies, or I've got a bottle of whiskey hidden behind the washer from my wife, or I've been embezzling money at the company, or I've been, um, I've been having, you know, an affair with my brother's girlfriend. Like whatever you're doing, I've been cheating on my test, right? Find the courage to find somebody either personally, maybe that's too vulnerable or professionally and offload these secrets, offload these hidden places so that you can step into a greater state of freedom and start the healing process. And locate the trauma that's causing you to express these abhorrent behaviors that you know one thousand percent are out of alignment with who you really are. Yeah. Right. So these these people have to have strategies. Right. If there's no strategy in place, people use their mind and the mind will lie a thousand lies to continue to convince themselves that through rationalization, justification, that they're okay. Like in Los Angeles, there's a lot of homeless, right? And there's guys that have signs and it says on their sign, I'm hungry. I was a war veteran. I'm mentally ill. Can you give me some money? Right? And then there's other guys that do nothing. Right? And when I see people who are homeless and struggling, And they're getting up to at least reach out to a stranger. Think about how vulnerable that is. Like how beat down you have to be, how surrendered your ego has to be in order to stand on a corner and ask strangers for money in hopes that you can get a meal. Like in a certain way, it's courageous. Look at that. Like who's willing to surrender their ego that much? To be that vulnerable. Well. They are. And if you're willing. To step into some vulnerability. And surrender your ego. Long enough. Maybe it's only for an hour. Whatever posturing you do. Whatever image you've created. If you're willing to put it down for an hour. And listen to a podcast like this. Or f- go to YouTube. And find a meditation teacher who's doing things for free, you know, go follow Montak Chi and do the inner smile or circulate energy through the, through the microcosmic orbit. There's all these free tools everywhere. And the key is to create a successful pattern interrupt. And all you need to do it is to break the pattern one time, whatever your pattern is, right? Whatever your self-defeating pattern is is more of what i should say all you have to do is break it one time if you can break it one time you got a good shot at living a life with less regret
0: beautiful such a wonderful wonderful response and um the end is a couple comments i'd love to to make in response to what you shared yeah so the first thing is for our listeners, and you alluded to it and anyone who's listening to the podcast for an extended period of time. in the first episode, I shared aspects of my story with my father. and there was the same idea of there was that voice and there was this intuition, this conscious, this whatever you gut feeling, and whatever we want to call it. And very often that voice is it whispers, and we might ignore it and we ignore it for whatever the reason, we're distracted because there's a lot of volume outside. there's a lot of stuff going on. And I often tell my clients, sometimes you got to slow down to speed up. And when you slow down and you ask questions, brilliant questions, like Christopher suggested, you can have a real like moment with yourself to check in. How have I been living up until this point? Like we live in a cause and effect universe. What's the consequences that, that I'm experiencing now that I was the cause of? I'm experiencing the effects, but what are the causes? And, Do I want to keep living this way? Do I want to keep showing up in the world this way? How are the people, let's say, closest to me being negatively impacted by the way I'm showing up in the world or not showing up in the world? How's my life being negatively impacted? You talked about if someone's dream like to go to the Olympics or whatever it is for the listener, going down the path you're going on, is it actually likely that you're going to get to realize that dream if you keep on this path? Or you may be deluding yourself with a story that, of course, I can do it. When it's very, very unlikely that's going to be the case. That's the first thing. The second has to do with, you know, from my medical background, there's a quote that I learned in medical school, which is so, it was so beautiful. And you summed it up in, in, in a different different words. The organs weep, the tears, the eyes fail to shed. Huh. And when we come from a space that of recognizing whatever symptoms you have, you talked about the headache turns into the migraine, or you get sick and the cough lasts for a couple of weeks or a month or something. Symptoms are like signposts and they're pointing deeper within. And so when I'm experiencing a symptom, the question is, what's this trying to tell me? Where have I been ignoring you know, what my body is needing right now? Where have I been maybe exposing myself to things that aren't good for my body that my body is now trying to get rid of and purge? And when you can slow down, it's like you're able to hear the whisper. But if you keep going, like you read, like you mentioned, you get sicker. And the symptoms get worse. And it's like that slap in the face from life. And it's like saying, imagine if everyone did what Christopher said, you know, God, universe, source, you know, whenever I'm going the wrong direction, give me that big sign, give me that big wake up call. And then it does. But we don't always recognize it. And if we don't recognize it, like the expression goes, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. There's another expression. Mm -hmm. Life will keep teaching us the same lessons until we learn them. And so, for example, in relationships, somebody might be in a a series of unserving relationships. Let's say, for example, they were abusive. And then they wonder, why do I keep attracting the same type of partner? Different face, different name, but the same kind of pattern. Well, what's the common factor in all of the relationships? You. And so from that space, what are you putting out? And what are you tolerating? And what boundaries are you not enforcing? And all these things, like what are you putting out that's bringing this into your life? And so when we can just slow down, listen to the whisper, and then recognize, there's a metaphor I share with clients I'd love to share with everyone listening today. Imagine you're in a room and there's a clock on the wall. And it's it's one of the old school clocks, so it ticks, you know? And you've never seen one of those before. You've only seen digital. So you're at a party and it's loud. And at the end of the party, you decide to stick around, help your friend, let's say, clean up. And as you're cleaning up, there's music, there's music, people are talking. And then eventually there's a moment of silence maybe between the songs. And you start hearing the tick and you've never heard it before. And from that space, you look at your friend and you go, you hear that? What the hell's that sound? And your friend's like looking at you like you're crazy. That's the clock. And you're like, what are you talking about? Clocks don't tick. And it's like, of course they do. And your friend's pointing at the clock and you go, well, how, when did that start ticking? Is it broken? No, no, it's always been doing that. How come I haven't heard it? Oh, because you've been distracted. There's been music, there's been talking. You've had a lot of mental chatter going on that you've been paying attention to the internal instead of the external, but the ticking's always there. And when you're quiet, it's loud. But when you're loud, it's quiet. And when we come from that space, I use that as a metaphor for life of just slow down and listen. And like you said, the opportunity to have The life without regret, the opportunity or less regret, but hopefully no regret. But also the inner peace, the well-being that's available for people. The next aspect, you know, one aspect of the work I do is mental and emotional release work. And just like you talked about with family and with yourself, I've seen it over and over and over again. Traumas and situations that occur when we're younger. We're playing all that out and, and experiencing kind of the effect of that as an adult. So, for example, excuse me. Perhaps we're a child and we learn our, our own internal meaning that we derive from a situation might be because A, B, and C happened with my caregiver, my parent, whoever it was, therefore I'm not good enough. And let's say that's the meaning that I derived from the situation, but I was five or I was seven. And so an adult mind, let's say, wouldn't have necessarily created that meaning, but a child who doesn't have that other reference point, let's say, would. So they do, and now they grow up, and that belief is subconscious, and that belief, they're not consciously aware of it, but it's the foundation that drives everything that they're not allowing themselves to do, all the self-sabotaging, all these things, and they wonder why their relationships have issues or their business ventures have issues, and it's always because at some level, well, I'm not good enough, so how could I possibly get that? Or like you said, maybe you're hanging out with friends, and you try to prove yourself You know, when you were working out with these other professional athletes, and it's like, or when you were in the sweat lodge, and like, my hands are going to be up, and I'm the last one to drop them, almost as if, look at me, guys, look what I can do. And when we can come from that space, the I'm not good enough is something I see almost everyone that I work with have as their foundation. And when you can finally release that, when you can have that moment with yourself, and Christopher's example, looking in the mirror and realize that good enough isn't even a question, the fact that you're here means you're good enough. You wouldn't be here if you weren't. I had a, I think it was a video I saw and this woman was saying that she's good enough. And the guy was speaking with her and he says, how do you know? And she goes, because God doesn't make useless crap. (laughs) And it's coming from that space that if you're here, even if it's just biological, you know, you were, you were the one sperm that made it (laughs) out of the billions of them, you were the winner. And so from that space, you're you're here because you're good enough. But I love this kind of, almost like a distinction or a back and forth that Jordan Peterson creates that I learned from him and I kind of added my own spin to it. Who you are, of course, is good enough. But now the question is, who are you being? And is that up to the standard that you want it to be? So who I am, whole, perfect and complete, but who I'm being, that could be a lot better. Who I'm being is a moment to moment of how I'm showing up. And I might be showing up You know, excellently in one area of life and really dropping the ball in another. Maybe I'm rocking it in business and my family life is a mess, or my relationship is great, but my health is in shambles. And so when we can come from that space of slowing down, checking in, and what are you doing every day? Maybe five minutes, check in with yourself. Do I like what I'm seeing in the mirror? Do I like the path I'm going down and the results that I'm experiencing? And are there any little early warning signs? Is the whisper there? And if it is, Pay attention because if you don't, again no judgment on it but if you don't there are consequences and more than likely you're not going to like those and if we can slow down and we can there's an expression I remember learning um learn from the mistakes of others because you'll never live long enough to make them all yourself and you know none of us know the life path that you know I, I come from a space of personal belief that we're all spiritual beings having a human experience and so from that space, if we take that at least as a foundation for the podcast, I don't know what your spirit came here to learn. I, I'm not going to judge your path. So the word mistake, I, you know, that's a quote. But the word mistake, I don't usually uh, uh, go with. But just from that space, others experience all this hardship. Why do you have to reinvent the wheel? Why do you have to go through it too? Like, why not learn from what other people are saying? Christopher shared such a beautiful story in the, in the first, you know, beginning aspect of our podcast together. And there's people that are maybe are early in their journey and they're experiencing the whisper that you experienced mm-hmm. and they maybe just got out of jail or they maybe just got a DUI or, they just, or they're just they hanging out with a crowd of people where that is likely to happen at some point. Yeah. And they can recognize the signs and symptoms from your experience and shift their life so that they can learn the lesson through you and maybe save that time. And that's why conversations like this, one reason why I think they're so valuable. And so first of all, thank you for sharing everything that you shared. And um, Thank you. before I ask you a question, is there any response to that that you'd like to, to share?
1: I mean, I think of the listener and what you brought up in terms of where they're at in their journey, right? And what I've realized over time is that intent is the driver of all things. So whenever I'm working with someone and I'll, one-on-one dynamic or group dynamic, we're always setting clear intentions, right? And once a clear intention allows you to put your flag in the sand, and you go, hey, I'm claiming this turf here and this is the direction that I'm going. If you refuse to put your flag in the sand, as you and Jordan Peterson were alluding to, you will float through life. And you'll get the crumbs of whatever's out there. If you want the meal, you have to put your flag in the sand and you have to set an intent. And that then gives you an opportunity to self-reflect and ask yourself those deeper questions. Is this what I really want? Who do I need to... Uh, enroll in order to help me get to where I want to go or become who I want to be or experience what I want to experience. Yeah. With no flag in the sand and no intent, you're only going to ever get whatever the wind brings your way. And look, it's great. You said it. You're on earth. You're here, you're pure, divine, clear reflection of God's love, light, and laughter, okay? Yeah, you're more than enough. You're no less than anyone else. Yet, if there's something that you want to experience, you have to go beyond that state. And you have to be willing to be committed for what I call a 30-year plan. You You have to have a plan. You have to like, you have to have some goals and they could be simple. If you're somebody who's obese, maybe your goal is in the next three years is to lose 50 pounds and to do it in a way that's healthy without dieting. Maybe your goal is you're an entrepreneur and you want to become a millionaire right? You want to have a million dollars worth of liquidable assets at any moment. Great. Well, there's certain things that you have to do. You have to learn about the flow of resources. You have to learn how to go down to city hall and get a business license. You got to be willing to sit down and write a business plan. You got to figure out what kind of work you want to do with people. What satisfies you? And the more you're willing to investigate into your life and be honest with yourself, the more likely you are to experience what it is you want. And obviously when you get what you want, you see the guys, they get like, um, and I've worked with Olympic level champions for a long time and they get the medal and they have the experience. Ah, whoa, they're all excited. They're jumping up and down. They get a couple pictures and then, and there's, there's the euphoria, and maybe that euphoria lasts two or three days. Yet as soon as that euphoria is done, they're off to the next thing. What I mean by that is this. It's never about the goal. It's about the commitment to the goal and what you're willing to do in terms of contribution to your own life in order to have that experience. It's never about the goal. Right. You meet guys that are world champions and Olympic champions and Pan-American champions or NBA champions or they whenever you say, hey, what was it like to win the Super Bowl? This big smile comes onto their face. Right. This big smile comes on and you can feel the energy beaming from them from the satisfaction of having that experience. Then you ask the guys who lost at the Super Bowl, right? And some of the guys are developed enough to go, that's what I needed, that loss, to get real about myself in life. But mostly those guys aren't happy at all, right? But the ones that won, there's something that beams from them that is inspiring. And when you look at your life, when I look at my life, I am first place, okay? Meaning there never is a second place because I can never really measure myself against another human. I am first place and I can maintain being first place if I'm willing to show up honestly for myself. And so, when I have these, when I have an intense lifetime accumulated stress load, or I have an intense amount of daily stress, and I continue to keep ignoring the outcome of avoiding dealing with that unremitting, unrelenting stress, I have to realize that I put myself there. And you have to have ownership. Like when you, when a soul chooses to enter into a body, you're choosing to enter into a lineage. If you enter the lineage of alcoholics, okay, no whining, bitching, moaning, or complaining that you come from a lineage of alcoholics. Do everything you can to break that pattern of alcoholism so that you get to become the opposite. Maybe you're going to be... The one in your family that graduates from college or you're going to be one in your family that has a successful marriage or you're going to be the one in your family that is an entrepreneur or you're going to be one in your family who is financially secure. Like there are all these different ways in which we can serve ourselves powerfully that end up serving everyone else around us, mm-hmm. right? If I become a successful financially uh as an entrepreneur in my business well guess what that impacts my family my brother gets to call me up and go hey listen my daughter's got to, she wants to go to this softball camp in um in myrtle beach and i get to go no problem i'm sending the check right now i get to have that impact right And so the things that we do for ourselves, like some people, it's very difficult for them to be motivated on this idea of doing something solely for themselves because they've been indoctrinated to understand that selfishness is bad and selflessness is good. And, you know, we need a a better distinction, right? We, We need a more subtle, clear distinction around that. And, when I grow into the best version of myself, everyone who's in my sphere of influence benefits from that impact. Mm-hmm. When I choose to become um, angry, short, curt, dishonest, um, stressed, everyone else also benefits from that state because they're in my sphere of influence. That means they're impacted by my energy. They're impacted by my mood. They're impacted by my words. They're impacted by my thoughts. They're impacted by my actions. Mm -hmm. So the best service that I can give to my community, right? To my culture, to my family, to uh, my wife is by becoming the best version of myself. Well, how, what's the first step? How, to be, how do I become the best version of myself? I reduce my daily accumulated stress load while simultaneously building intense amounts of positive resistance inside of myself through meditation, through breath work, for the removal of physical stress and tension. And as I continue to keep doing that on a daily, on a weekly, on a monthly basis, everyone whose life that I touch, their lives get better because humans have choice. We can either grow through negative benefit or we can grow through positive benefit. Do you want to grow through negative benefit? You're still going to grow. You're, everyone is forced to evolve. We have no choice, okay? Whether I like it or not, and in terms of technology and how it's being used, I may not like it, but the but the reality is one day I will go to the airport and there will be no handing them my driver's license. I'll be putting my thumb on top of this little uh, gizmo that's going to read my fingerprint and let them know whether or not I'm allowed to get on the flight. So what I think about how the world is evolving is irrelevant. What's most important is how I'm choosing to evolve. Mm -hmm. And when I make myself the priority in my life, when I make my, when I become selfish and I start looking at my inner deficiencies, my insecurities, my fears, and my limiting beliefs, and I begin to transform those and transmute those and transfigure those into a high state of psychological and emotional function, everyone in my life benefits. And I work with a lot of parents and I can't tell you how many parents when they first got on the phone with me, it was like my child, my child, my child. And I listen out of respect. And then I go, okay. I am uninterested in working with your son. Huh? Well, I read your book and I took the test, the stress test, like you requested, and I'm giving you the story. Why would you refuse to work with my son? Because your son is not your problem. You are, mom. What do you mean? I am not a pathological liar. No, but you're a control freak. And so the only way your son feels safe around you is to tell you things that aren't true so that he can stay out of the fray of your emotional instability and putrid anger. Oh, so Mrs. Johnson why would you want to be controlling everything in your environment what's made you feel so unsafe in your life <sighs> well i've never told anyone this and then boom and now the healing the, the 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 transmutation and transformation the change it begins yeah because whoever we are and whatever we are And whatever we're doing, we're doing it with others at some level, and they are directly impacted by our level of integration or our level of separation. And so what would be the prudent thing to do? Like, I'm assuming the people that are on this call want to live in a world that's a better place. Well, it's easy to say, right? It's easy to say, oh, I want want to do something really magical and make the world a better place. Okay, you can work hard at affecting things outside of you and yet if you change nothing inside of you, the efforts that you're giving eventually fall into a deep, dark pit of nothingness.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Because change must occur from the inside out in order for it to be authentic and inspirational. And this is the key. This is the key. This is the key, this is the honest conversation that I hope people are having in the mirror with themselves. Is like, well, I say that I want the world to be a better place. Am I willing to do the deep internal work that it takes? Am I willing to spend an hour a day becoming a better person? And this is less about fitness, right? This, this is, there's tons of people that are fit and they're unhealthy okay there's tons of people who are unfit and are very healthy okay so what we're talking about is mental physical emotional and spiritual wellness are you spiritually well or are you spiritually sick if you're spiritually sick it means you're unethical immoral unprincipled and disintegrous am i physically well Or am i physically sick well if you're physically sick, well, guess what? You've got physiological issues. You've got gallbladder challenges. You've got a heart issue. You've, you've got colon issues. You've got breathing, inspiration and expiration issues. You've got knee pain, back pain, hip pain. You've got a migraine or you can't sleep. you got arthritis, right? That's letting us know you're physiologically and instinctually you're sick are you emotionally well or are you emotionally sick well you're emotionally sick if you're emotionally well you're full of excitement and grounded emotions if you're emotionally sick you're full of anxiety right are you mentally well or are you mentally sick if you're mentally well you're confident okay uh you're polite you're authentically self-expressed and you're devoted and courageous. If you're cowardice, or addicted, or paranoid, or schizophrenic, or intensely fearful, you're mentally sick. And are you willing to get in front of the mirror and admit like, yeah, mm, yeah, I'm spiritually sick. I got a little bit of that. Oh, I definitely have some physiological, physical sickness. Oh, my anxieties are 40 out of 100 on an average day. I'm definitely emotionally sick. And then you got to find people who will help you get physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually well. Because when you're spiritually well, guess what? You're ethical. You're moral. You're principled. You're full of integrity. When you're physically well, your body's strong, pliable, energetic, powerful. When you're mentally well, you're a great problem solver. It's easy for you to understand other people's perspectives. You're devoted to being the best version of yourself. You're authentically self-expressed. And when you're emotionally well, you're excited, you're passionate, you're hopeful, you're inspired, and you're graceful. If you're anything less than that, on a daily basis, you're ill and you've got to be willing to look in front of the mirror and go i'm ill what can i do to help because mm-hmm. 99.9% of the public is ill and when you get to that point of really embodying that idea and you go oh it's that easy all i have to do is all i have to do is admit where i'm overwhelmed and sick and ill And then reach out to somebody who will help me get well. That's all I have to do to create an abundant, powerful, regretless life. That's it. All I have to do is take heartfelt action to my own benefit. And that will benefit everyone whose life I touch. Are you kidding me? It's that easy? Of course it's that easy. You think a God, a God rather than a human would create a body and give you a life that you couldn't turn around in 0.2 seconds with a little bit of effort. Well, that wouldn't be a God, right? That would be a human. A human would create a body that would be complicated forever, okay? And yet we are taught that we are a divine reflection of consciousness. And so if I was a divine reflection, this should be pretty easy. Truth is, it is pretty easy. You have to interrupt your pattern. You have to be willing to do a self-honest self-assessment. And if it's difficult for you to be honest with yourself, call your mom and go, Mom, where am I a pain in the ass? And she'd go, well, honey, you know, I've never felt it was my place to tell you these things. But since you're asking, here you go. Da 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 And then call up your best friend and go, "Hey, where am I losing the plot?" Well, you know, I really don't like to get in these conversations with you because I found you very defensive before. But since you're asking, da 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 da. And then call your boss, right? Whoever manages you at work, and go. Hey, where am I inner deficient? Really? Okay. Well, is this off the books? Yeah, it's off the books. Okay, Butch. This is what I think. Da 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 da. And then call your coaches, whoever coaches you, whether it's a professional coach or a spiritual coach or your counselor or your psychotherapist or whoever, and ask. Where am I lost? And they're going to go, since you're asking, here you go. And write it all down. And when you got all those things written down, go, okay, I'm going to tackle one of these a month. All right. I'm going to, my best friend tells me that I'm emotionally dishonest and difficult to reach. At an emotional level okay obviously I got to find an emotional coach (laughs) or take a free course on the internet because your mom told you that your communication is really poor okay so I obviously I got to get a communication coach or I got to get a book on communication like the information that every single human needs already exists on the planet it already exists it's already here Are you going to be courageous enough to ask those questions, right? It's going to be tough. Like who wants to hear your mom go, hey, honey, I love you, but listen to this. Mom, you're still going. Yep. Oh, well, hold on. Let me call your dad. No, 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 no. I'm fine with this. (laughs) Let me work on this first. And if you're willing to do that, every person in your life will get a better life because you decided to do so. Other people are uninspired when it comes to helping themselves. They're very inspired knowing that their benefits will help those that they care for. And so whatever your position is, it's irrelevant. What matters most is that you take heartfelt action. If you're selfless, do it because it'll help others. If you're selfish, do it because it will help you. Either way, it will help everyone.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I have found that change happens in an instant, but it's the getting ready to change that can take a while. And when people recognize that life can be a lot easier than we make it, because we typically tend to overcomplicate things, and something that you had said earlier about, you know, you're born into a lineage and you can, a, you could complain and moan and all those things like you were saying and go down that path. Or you can say, well, I'm going to be the one who's, because I'm like aware of it. I'm going to be the one who's going to, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go do, be an entrepreneur. I'm going to do this. I'm going to break the cycle. And my, my invitation to everyone listening is as a possibility, if you tried on, that there are no coincidences. There are no mistakes. This is a cause and effect universe and that things happen for a reason. You're listening to this podcast for a reason and you're the one. And yeah. you're the one who's gonna break that cycle no matter what it is. Even if you know it's a cycle that you began and break it or it's a cycle that you kind of grew grew up in and it seemed to be passed on to you. moment you're aware of it, you can make some changes and you can do something about it. And just like Christopher said, we often think it's a lot harder than it is because we're trapped in our story. And when we're trapped in the story, we're missing kind of the obvious that's right in front of us. Yeah. And so a couple questions that I'd love to share with, uh, ask you, Christopher, okay. that just for being respectful of your time. Um, not rapid fire, but give it all you got, <laughs> but I want to be respectful of your time as well. But I think it would really help our listeners. I've heard you say, you know, on- online and some videos that I've watched of yours, attaining freedom from the inside out. And I think a lot of our conversation so far has been around that, but is there anything you'd like to add about what that means to you?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I think what most people are driven by, like when you pick up a magazine or you watch a TV show or you watch a movie or you watch a sporting event or you go to um, a classical show, like an opera, people are wanting the experience of love that's unconditional and consistent. And the thing that 99.9% of all humans have no idea about that unconditional love requires that you become free first. Because without freedom, there's no possibility of ever attaining unconditional love because you're trapped in these limiting beliefs and ideas. And you want everyone to join you inside your limiting box. And as long as you're in my box and you do things this way and you say things this way and you behave this way and you perceive this way, we're okay. And if you do anything different than that, then guess what? You're something other than okay. And I'm going to judge, criticize, disapprove, and cancel you out of my life because I have very little access to unconditional love. And so freedom, and the reason why I chose freedom as a theme in this life rather than love or peace um, or happiness, I chose freedom in this life because I realized that without freedom, there is no happiness or joy or peace. And so the question is, well, what what, what does that mean? It means that wherever where you are repressed, and suppressed and oppressed. You're unavailable to allow life to move through you and make your own choices because you're so worried about what everybody else thinks about you. And as long as you're in that protective state, that inappropriate protective stress state with very little internal resistance, You're always gonna do what everyone else is doing without questioning what's correct for you. And without the ability to ask yourself what's correct for you, and then to be able to take heartfelt action on your own benefit, based on what you discovered is correct for you, you're in prison. And you're imprisoned by your curated image. And so what do we do? Well, we get on a path of freedom and we start chipping away at the curated image that's kept us safe so that we can put ourselves in an environment where we're uncomfortable. And now we can ask ourselves those deeper questions. Is this right for me? Is this wrong for me? Is this right for them? Is this the best idea for me? And as you're willing to ask yourself those questions, you're able to get answers that inform you, hey, buddy, it's okay to do what's correct for you, because when you're doing what's correct for you and I'm doing what's correct for me, ultimately, it's correct for everyone. And yet when I'm doing what I think is correct for you, rather than what's correct for me, everyone then suffers based on that choice, because now I get to run justifiably I get to run currents of resentment and the most toxic form of anger on the planet is unspoken levels of resentment because they get acted out in a passive aggressive manner that diminish our access to unconditional love, which means we are unfree, right? We are enslaved. We are imprisoned by these limiting beliefs these insecurities, these inner deficiencies, and these unrelenting fears. And so you have to get free from those in order to experience deep, consistent, unrelenting states of unconditional love. Because love has always been the answer, and it will only ever be the answer, right? In the beginning, love is all there ever was. In the end, love is all that ever matters. And whatever's keeping me from those deep states of unconditional love is what's causing me to lose access to a sense of freedom. And without a sense of freedom, there's no inspiration, right? When you have deep feelings of freedom, you have access to more inspiration from love. You can be inspired from fear, right? But in the end, it only creates abhorrent behaviors. But if you have, if you're inspired by love, and your inspiration is being catalyzed by love, you have an opportunity to impact the whole world around you. And when you can impact everyone around you, it benefits you. Why? Because they are you, right? There's this concept of oneness or the concept of, of separation. And it simply means that everything I do think, feel, and say impacts everyone around me and vice versa. And so when I'm in freedom, those who spend time in my presence, they're in freedom. When I'm in repression, those who are around me, they're in repression as well. If I'm in dishonesty, I pull them into dishonesty. If I'm in empowerment, I inspire and pull them into self-empowerment. Whoever I become affects everyone I touch and everyone I lead. So the prudent thing again, and I said this before, is to put the focus on my intent of what it is I really want to experience, who I want to be, put my flag in the sand in a very strong way, inform everyone around me where I'm going and what I want to do, and then seek out the education that you need. I'll seek out the education that I need in order to produce the experience that I want to have or to become the person that I want to be. It's very simple.
0: Yeah. Something that you you brought up a couple times that reminded me of a comment I wanted to make on a past statement that you said. You know, there's this perspective that I take that the most selfless thing we can do is be selfish, and I'm coming from that similar space. It sounds like to you where you're coming from that you can only give from an empty cup for so long, <laughs> or until you can only give them a cup until it empties, you know, for so long. And if you're giving, giving, giving to everybody else, at some point you're you're becoming thirsty. And when you're, A, you're in the process of giving it, their hands go back out and now they want again. And then when you do finally manage to take that sip, maybe there's a drop, but it's pretty much empty and you burn out, which means your candle burned out quick. You weren't able to give, let's say an impact and contribute over the long term. But if you were to give to yourself first and fill up your cup to the point that it overflows, you can give from the overflow forever. And when we come from that space, like you said, point it inward first, light, you know, there's that as a, a quote, I'm going to paraphrase it. It just came to mind. Something like light your soul on fire and people will come from you know, all over the world to watch you. Yeah, burn. To
1: bask in your warmth.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so from that same spot, it reminds me of, you talked about this story, Or this idea that people are around you, your presence impacts them. A mentor of mine spent some time with this Zen master, and in Zen Buddhism, there's a concept called transference. Oh, yes. And uh, this mentor hears about it, and so he talks to this uh, Zen master, and he says, "You know, that's amazing. Like, could you like do that with me?" (laughs) And he basically tells him, "Like, what's that all about?" And he goes, "The master says." There is something awake within me that is asleep in most people. And when people spend time with me, sometimes it begins they begin to wake up. And when someone spends enough time with me, that which is fully awake in me fully awakens in them, even though sure. at no point did anything ever transfer from me to them. And it's like it's almost like a um you walk into a music store. And there's all the guitars or all the stringed instruments. And you pluck the C string really loudly on one of them. And the C string resonates on all the rest of them. That's right. It's the whole like, like attract, like, and it's like, here we are. What am I putting out? And in a way that comes back to me. And if I'm putting out love and joy and gratitude and all these things that you're talking about, freedom, peace, bliss, A, you awaken that in other people. Because when, you know, I love the perspective that admiration is projection. That which I admire in another, this also is like the shadow as well, for anyone familiar with that concept, it applies on the positive and the negative, but that which I admire in another, I only recognize it because it already exists within me. And perhaps the person that I'm admiring is embodying it at a deeper level than I have up until this point. But I'm recognizing it and I like it because it is me. And now it's like the more I get to spend in that presence, the more it gets to wake up in me.
1: Yeah, all nervous systems vibrate to the highest functioning nervous system in the collective field. Yes. Right? And that's the key. And once people understand that through um, transference and these specific universal laws that apply to energy, um, they then get to take steps to come into a greater state of alignment. And the greater state that I'm in, the greater state everyone else is around me. And now I'm inspiring through being versus through preaching.
0: Something that you just said too, which is so cool, because it it applies in the physical for anyone listening who maybe would resonate with the physical side of it more. There was a study on heart cells in a Petri dish Mm -hmm. and they get heart cells from different people and they put them all into the dish. And let's just say for the sake of the conversation, each cell is beating or vibrating at the rate of like the individual that it came from. So they're all different. But that's at right. some point, they all shift to match the strongest heart cell in the Petri dish. That's right. And so the same thing happens in the physical, which is... Uh, yeah. 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 Could you share with us the importance of enforcing our boundaries and why that's so important?
1: Yeah. I mean, boundaries are, one, they're connected to the lungs, okay? The lung is the only boundary that a human can consciously change, right? Right? My heart, I can't change the boundary of my heart consciously. Okay, I can't change the boundary of my colon consciously, even though these boundaries change, right? My lungs, I can choose. I can take in a half a breath. Stop, take more. Stop, take more. Right? I have choice, right, on how and when I change my boundary. And so with healthy boundaries, you have healthy relationships. Uh, In order to have a healthy boundary, you have to be able to embody it because, see, the lungs are part of the, the physical realm. So that means you have to do something physically in order to activate them, right? So handstands are the fastest and easiest way to develop healthy boundaries at a subconscious level. To build boundaries, another way to subconscious level, push ups, right? If you have poor boundaries, start doing 25 to 45 push ups a day for about a month. And then you're going to start to see that your lung energy is going to get stronger and that's going to put out what's called a subconscious boundary. So, me, I have very good, strong subconscious boundaries. So, whenever someone meets me, they know 1000% that they will never ever come onto my porch and take a shit they know absolutely it's inappropriate i was at the grocery store um yesterday and um there were all these people in line but there this one line but the one line was half of it was for this way and the other half was going this way so i asked everyone are you in this line to get food they all said no And then there was this lady standing here. I decided to step on the other side of her and I started ordering food. And she says to me, "Um, well, I don't think it's fair that you just jumped in front of everyone. And so I stopped and said, listen, I'm a grown man. You have no idea who I am and you're policing me and I don't need you to police me. So I would appreciate it if you shut your mouth. And I went back to ordering my food. And then as she's leaving, she gets her food. She grabs my arm. She goes, I'm so sorry. I realized that was very disrespectful. Now, I could have let that go. Stop, Whatever. But something told me, I need to set a boundary with this woman. She needs to understand. I'm my own person. Okay. I'm First off, I'm moral and ethical. Obviously, I would have walked up to ask these other people if they were in this line, and none of them were. So she made up a story in her head, right? And then she thought it was appropriate to take my hands and hold them to the fire. And I let her know that that was inappropriate. And in the end, she came up and she said she was sorry. So when there's a moment where someone penetrates into your boundary and it's inappropriate, In that moment, you have to set it, and you have to set it strongly. And then they get to go, oh, wow. Because most people have never had the experience of someone setting a strong boundary with them. And I took the chance to take a risk. Of course, there were other people around. They might have thought I was a complete asshole. Yet I knew there, there was a moment to set a boundary with this person. And then she acknowledged the fact that I taught her a very valuable lesson that other people are their own individuals and it's appropriate to do a clear investigation before you make an accusation. Mm -hmm. And she learned that lesson and that was uncomfortable for her. And then she swallowed and she realized that, Oh, I think there's a teachable moment here. I'm sure she had a little voice in the back of her head going, "Eh, I think you might've been off here, Mary. And then I got to go after she said, I go, Hey, listen, it's not a big deal. And in the future, it would be good if you investigated, because if you look down the line, you'll see all those people were going to your, to your left. None of them were coming to your right. She goes, you're right. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now that's a stranger, but setting a boundary with someone who you live with is even more important because without boundaries, without healthy boundaries, people never respect your time, your space, or the things that are yours, right? Your things. And when you set a boundary on the front end, it sets up clarity in the relationship. Like if you're gonna move into a new house, there's three other roommates, right? You're the new guy on the block, you're in the room down the corner, if you don't if you don't set clear boundaries in the very beginning, don't be angry when you come home and one of these guys is wearing your jean jacket. like don't be bothered like sit down and go well what are the things important for other people to know about me? Hey guys, I wanted to get together. I know I'm new here. I want you to understand there's sort of I have certain pet peeves things that bother me things that I'm very loose on. These are the things that if you do them, it's going to make me feel as if you're not respecting me. And that's if I come home and you've gone in my room and you've taken something to borrow without asking me first, right? If I'm in the back room and I've informed you that I got a test tonight and I'm studying and you're playing your music as possibly as loud as you can, that's going to make me feel like you're disrespecting me. Right. If I come home and, uh, The food that I put in the fridge that you know is not yours, I ask that you don't touch it. I'm on a limited budget right now. And so I don't have a lot of extra money for food. And so I have to guard the food that I have. Right. If I have a little extra, I'll inform you. But most likely that's not going to happen for a few months because school is my finances are tight and school is really tough right now. Now, if he sets that up in the beginning, the people are going to respect his boundaries. They respect her boundaries. They're going to understand, right? But now I come home, my food's gone. Now I'm pissed. I'm sitting in my room or I'm on the couch and I'm pouting. And then I start sending out these snide remarks passive aggressively. I'm going to create complications in those relationships. And so boundaries are essential on the front end. Trying to define a boundary on the back end only creates more upset
0: and more confusion yeah that was masterfully spoken out man thank you for sharing that and i agree with you i think it's so important that we're up front with this is how you win with me and this is how you don't win with me and for our listeners thinking about the relationships you have right now and recognize again it's ideal like like uh, christopher said on the front end but maybe you're deep in this relationship already it's been going on for a while, but. Consider the idea that what you tolerate, you allow. And so it's continuing, it perpetuates. And so you look at it and you say, well, where could I enforce a boundary with love, with respect, acknowledging the other person's reality as well, but still making it strong, firm, like Christopher's talking about. And it's only gonna enhance the quality of life. Cause again, the people that it, there's that old expression, those who matter don't mind, and those who mind don't matter if you enforce a boundary with someone that you believe you really care about they're important to you and despite understanding your boundary they continue to violate it you may want to reconsider if that's somebody you would like to either keep in your life or spend as much time with etc yeah. yeah
1: and and the other idea is to realize that you may have to reinforce the boundary again and again and again because when you're working or living with someone that dealt with childhood abuse, whether it was physical, whether it was emotional, whether it was verbal or whether it was sexual, you have to understand they don't have boundaries. Boundaries are foreign to them because it's a parent's job to protect the child's boundary until they understand what boundaries are and they can define them on their own. Most parents who have been through their own level of trauma in childhood never know how to reinforce or teach boundaries because they don't have them either, right? And so if you have a friend or a loved one uh, or a partner uh, in business or a romantic relationship and you've stated the boundary and yet the person breaks the boundary again, you have to understand that they have no sense of boundaries and you have to teach them what boundaries are. And relationships that are important to you Are worthy of that time and that effort because a healthy brain, this is a healthy brain. When I say healthy brain, I mean a brain that has never been on alcohol, nicotine, caffeine, refined sugars, recreational drugs, or pharmaceutical drugs. That's a healthy brain. Okay. A healthy brain needs to hear things nine to 32 times in order to grok a new concept. That's nine to 32. So thinking that you're going to state a boundary one time on the first day you move in with these guys is not, is not, you have to remind them again and again. And then one day, eventually she'll say to you, Oh, you'll start out with, Hey guys, remember I'm in school. I'm putting some food in the fridge right to Go. I know you're in school. You don't have a lot of money. You're stressed around food. We got it. And now they reflected back to you that they get the boundary. And so you may, or or it would be the prudent action to take would be to repeat the boundary again and again and again until they finally say, Dude, we got it. When you're studying, please keep the music low. We we understand you're an auditory learner and your hearing's very sensitive. Okay, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Wonderful. Can you speak to the importance of authentic self-expression? I know that's such a crucial aspect of how you show up in the world and the work that you do. I mean, um, Mm.
1: here's the thing. Those who are inauthentically self-expressed are hooked on nicotine, caffeine, refined sugars, alcohol, recreational drugs, and pharmaceutical drugs. Why? Why? Because authentic self-expression comes through the stomach, right? What's the organ that's the most expressed if it doesn't like something that you put into it? The stomach. The stomach's like, oh, yeah.
0: I don't
1: like that at all, right? And uh, authentic self-expression has very little to do with clear communication. It's about saying what you feel in that moment without feeling the need to rescue other people from having bad feelings about you. And so in order to be authentically self-expressed, you have to first fire your body from rescuing other people from having bad feelings about you. And that will then give you the freedom to say what must be said. But as long as you're rescuing other people from having bad feelings about you, you'll never feel confident enough to be authentically self-expressed. And so how do you do that? You know, that's the question, right? And um, what you would do is you would lay in bed at night and you would say this nine times, body, fire yourself from rescuing others from having bad feelings about me. And you would say that nine times every night right before you fall asleep for six months. And then you're gonna get into a situation where you would have never spoken up And you're going to free flow and speak up. And afterwards, you're going to go, wow, that was so weird. I can't believe I said all that. And the payoff will be, you'll be able to be authentically self-expressed. Because we humans become, I, you, we become manipulatable around our need and desire for recognition, positive recognition from others. And so most of us are unwilling to take a risk to ruin the potential that we could get positive recognition because we've been taught that positive recognition validates us that we have value, right? And a lot of coaches that you work with, one of my coaches, his name is Rich Litvin. I wrote a book And in the book, one of my buddies is mentioned. His name's Jeff Hicks. He's former U.S. Navy SEAL. And then Jeff wrote a scathing, right, Amazon review of the book. I was complimenting him. He took my compliment in a completely different direction because he doesn't understand the concepts within traditional Chinese medicine. And his insecurities got brushed up against. And then he went on the attack. And I could have called Amazon and had them take that down because what he wrote was inappropriate. And it wasn't based on the review of the book. It was based on his character assumption about me. And so I called him. I go, look, man, he wrote this. It's this is I don't know what I should do here. And he goes, leave it, man. He goes, did you write the book? Were you honest with what you wrote? I wrote, yeah. He goes, that's his problem. And I thought that, I thought, yeah, but I care about Jeff. Right? He's my buddy. We've been friends since I'm 20 years old. Right. I and he goes, Look, you were authentically self-expressed. Why do you want to backtrack now? You know you've made it when people are pissed off with what you've said. And I went, Oh. Okay, and then the next week, one of my teachers gave me like one star, okay, on my book on Amazon reviews. And he didn't put his name, of course, because he's a coward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wrote it and he used language that I know is his because he's the only one that uses that I've ever heard. Sets his sentence structure up this way. And I thought, okay. He's pissed too. It must mean I've made it now. (laughs) (laughs) And so I've left them there. And now I'm happy for people to read those things because guess what? Are we here to please everyone? No. Are we here to be authentically self-expressed? Yes. Mm. And if you ruffle feathers, great. If they respond in a way that feels objectionable or disrespectful, it lets you know how much you made them feel.
0: Mm. And
1: they have to deal with those feelings on their own.
0: It reminds me of, I think it was an Aristotle quote, but it's something paraphrasing it. The only way to not have said anybody is to think, say, and do nothing significant. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes. So authentic go. self-expression is essential in order to build a powerful life. Because mm. without that, you're going along with everything that's going on, on the outside. And yet you're arguing with everyone on the inside. I remember I I, I went to this course once, and the guy started a class. So he goes, look, I'm going to say a lot of things that are against your belief system. What I ask is that you take a breath and a half step back and you consider that the possibility of what I'm saying has value. And what I mean by that is please do not sit in the back of the class arguing with me inside of your head. Because if you spend that time doing that, you're going to miss out on the opportunity of what you paid for. You paid to come here for me to teach you what I know. Why sit back there arguing inside of your own head? If you got something to say, raise your hand and express yourself. I thought, that's genius. Yeah, that's genius. Because I've known there's been times where I've been in class and someone sharing something, and rather than raise my hand and express myself, I've spent time arguing with the teacher in my head, which now the message that he's sharing with me I'm no longer receiving because I'm in transmit mode rather than being in the receptive mode. Yeah. Yeah. So please do everything you can to figure out how to get authentically self-expressed ruffle as many feathers as you can trigger as many people as you humanly, are allowed in this life because the more people you trigger the more opportunities they get to look to take a look at themselves and they wouldn't be bothered if they weren't vested and wherever you're vested you're manipulatable by your own upset
0: Mm. absolutely one thing i know is so um significant on your journey you know our audience heard it in the bio i know from your website you speak about lifetime accumulated stress loads and the cost of staying in that stressful state in the short term and the long term can you explain that to people who maybe aren't as familiar with the impact
1: yeah uh you know there's 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 a simple formula um and it would behoove you to remember the formula what i mean by that is this in order to have any symptom That's negative. What do I mean by that? Any bit of pain in your life, whether it's emotional pain, whether it's psychological pain, whether it's spiritual pain, whether it's physiological or structural pain, you have to have a limiting belief. The question is, what's in between the limiting belief and the symptom? Well, let's reverse engineer. In order for me to have to have a symptom, I have to have a high level of distortion how can I get to distortion without having tension? How can I get to tension without having stress? And how can I have stress without having a limiting belief? Well, I can't. The question is what's right in the middle. What sits right in the middle is the tension. And when I remove the tension, guess what happens? My daily accumulated stress load gets reduced and my lifetime accumulated stress load gets reduced. So, A limiting belief, because I had a traumatic event, you mentioned this earlier, children, when when they're in a precognitive state of function, they have no idea of context. Everything is black and white. I'm hungry. Mommy had to pee, right? It's all sensation based. Their sense of analysis is way, way, way too low. So they have a traumatic experience, and now with that precognitive mind, they start making up things about reality that are false because they do not understand the context of reality because children live in fantasy. And now they made up these limiting beliefs about reality, and they are hired and required to act these out. Well, the more I act out these limiting beliefs based on a precognitive mind of a child that went through something traumatic which simply means something that was beyond their capacity to process effectively at an emotional level at a psychological level at a physiological level and at a spiritual level okay so now they're unable to process this because they're stuck in a precognitive state of function understanding zero context they make up a limiting belief Now they project that that limiting belief on everything around them because if they don't, you know what's going to happen? They're going to end up back in the same traumatic experience. So what do they do? They create a winning strategy and maybe the child's winning strategy is whenever dad is home, I walk on my tiptoes so he doesn't hear me, right? Whenever I sense that mom is emotionally upset, You know what I do instead? I get really quiet. And I play in the corner furthest away from her, right? And now guess what happens? That limiting belief that I created becomes my winning strategy for avoiding punishment, rejection, humiliation, discomfort, violence, and the potential for death. So now I keep employing this strategy. Well, every time I employ that strategy, because that strategy is not me, my nervous system starts to view my strategy as me. Now I'm building a false identity. That false identity, every time I engage it, it creates more uh, nervous system stress. Because it's got me trapped in an inappropriate stress state, which is fight or flight. So now I'm in this stress state, I'm doing everything that I can to avoid punishment, rejection, humiliation, violence, and discomfort through the projection of this limiting belief and this false strategy. And the more I implement that strategy, the more stress I receive. The more stress I receive, the more tension I build. The more tension I build, the more distortion it creates. The higher the grit, the higher the state of distortion that I have, the more chronic the symptom becomes. So instead of having a headache once every three months, I got one once every six weeks. Then I got one every month. Then I got one every week. Now I have a migraine, you know, three days in a row. And it builds on itself. But if you look at it and you reverse engineer it and you follow it all the way back to its root, you're going to find a precognitive strategy created by a child. Yeah. And so our daily accumulated stress load is directly impacted by those limiting beliefs of that child. And the proof is in the symptoms that we're dealing with right? Toenail fungus, Um, poor vision, poor sleep, poor smell, poor hearing, right? Structural discomfort at my neck, my hip, my wrist, my fingers, arthritis, like uh, anything that is outside of being absolute health and wellness is a symptom. And every bit of it is informing us that one, our lifetime accumulated stress load is too high and our daily accumulated stress load is too high. And your daily accumulated stress load is every bit of stress that you take in in a 24 hour period that is no longer absolved by your sleep. So your sleep is your restore, repair, and recovery rate. If my sleep is ineffective, which it will be when your lifetime accumulated stress load is high, my daily accumulated stress load gets high. So what's the prudent thing to do? And I use this word prudent a lot because it implies action. The prudent thing to do is to take heartfelt action to your own benefit and reduce your daily accumulated stress load and your lifetime accumulated stress load by simply removing the inherent levels of tension that are trapped in your muscles and your fascia.
0: Yeah, I've had, uh, I think I might've shared this. I definitely, I shared this on the podcast and uh, some previous episodes. We've had some body workers on here and I owe in my own medical training, there was a class that we took. And for a while we were learning about physical manipulation, kind of the, the adjustments and all the trigger points and everything. And I remember having somebody work on me and they were working on the psoas muscle and they did a trigger point on it. And I'd never experienced anything like this before. They hit the trigger point. It was like, ooh, there's a little bit of like a feeling there. They let go and they go, are you okay? And I say, yeah. And then I just start laughing and crying for the same, at the same time for about 25 minutes. Yep. <laughs> Everyone in the room is laughing with me. I'm glowing yep. by the end of it. and the doctor who was teaching the class said i've only ever seen that a couple of times you just had a massive emotional release and anyone who's either a body worker who's listening to this or knows anyone who's a body worker anyone who's been doing it long enough at some point like christopher's saying you see the fascia the muscles in a way they store the tension the emotions that are unexpressed that are built up and it's an incredible feeling when they get released and hopefully it doesn't need to get to a space where you've built it up so much that you have the volcano erupt. And like Christopher said, but what can you do every day to minimize that and just allow yourself to heal? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. The words that you use, you had an emotional release and simultaneously a psychological integration. So your heart let go of all of the excessive heat and cold and your kidneys simultaneously let go of all of the excessive cold. Mm. And that's what's created the vacillating between uh, crying and laughing. Yeah, I've had that experience. It's the most amazing thing in the world.
0: That's so cool because you're the first person who's explained it like that with the, with the TCM background. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah, that's the key, right Every organ has its way of integrating. It gives you a sign. The pericardium when it integrates, the person heaves cries. When the heart reintegrates, it sobs. When the kidneys integrate, the person laughs. When the liver integrates, the person sighs, okay? Um, when the colon is reintegrating, the person passes gas. When the lungs are reintegrating, the person coughs, right? Because the body has to have a way of letting go. And each organ has its own ex- own pathway through which it expresses through a very specific sense organ. Okay. Some people I do the same thing to, and they're literally on the ground yawning for three hours straight. And I mean, three hours straight. The second a yawn is done, the next one starts. Wow. And it's, you know, once you understand how the body really works and you get it to let go of these emotional stressors and simultaneously integrate back into a high state of function, you can help anyone and everyone you've ever met free right
0: yeah that's wonderful so as we begin to wrap up christopher if our conversation today was your last opportunity to share your message with the world what would you want to make sure people know
1: um whatever's in your body is in your life meaning if you have a symptom in your body which everyone does at some level There's a place in your body where you're fractured and fragmented. And if you resolve that place in your body where you're fractured and fragmented, that aspect of your life where you're inner deficient or insecure or fearful or unsuccessful, you'll have the exact opposite experience. You'll start to experience success in the places where you're inner deficient, insecure, fearful, and have limiting beliefs. And so the body is the storehouse of all of your unresolved emotions. And simultaneously, it is the greatest teacher that you'll ever have because it's willing to tell you every day that something is wrong. And the way that it does that is by giving you a symptom. And that symptom, if you reverse engineer it, You'll take it back to a part of your life where you had an experience that was beyond your capacity to unresolve, I mean, to process emotionally this traumatic experience, and guess what? You'll get free of it. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever's in your body is in your life. There's no way around it.
0: Yeah. It's cool, too, because it's like a everyone gets to be their own Sherlock Holmes.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. it's, it's it's awesome. Awesome. yeah, it's awesome it's awesome it's awesome
0: and so, so what is it currently that you're either working on or working towards that's exciting yeah
1: well what's exciting me now right now, uh i figured out a way to remove um all of the tension out of the erector spinae mm-hmm. and i spent like a year and a half focus on creating a system to do that and it's absolutely flawless The challenge is once you remove all that tension out of the erector spinae, one of your glutes, right? And when I say your glutes, I mean your six outward rotators, minimus, maximus, and medius. One side, left side or right side, is going to be severely short and tight. And so now I'm dealing with like working on that glute, waking up the next day and going, there was very little change for all that effort. That I put in, and I realize I'm at this place where once I resolve that, and that comes back into alignment, suddenly my left glute instead of my right glute is going to be severely tight, or my left adductor is, and I'm going to be able to unwind and put back into balance my whole pelvic floor, mm. and that for me is really exciting because it's it's as you start unraveling a body, you start realizing. The more layers of the onion that I feel back, the deeper I go into some level of emotional, psychological, spiritual, and physiological and structural distortion. And as I remove those, then what happens is I get access to more light, more love, more consciousness, and more energy. And so, yes, it's very difficult to get up and want to feel pain right? To want to move through the middle of that. And I'm very excited because it took me 21 years to get to the place where I no longer felt tension in my right adductor. I had no idea when I woke up the next morning, all of it was going to be in my right glute.
0: Hmm.
1: And once I get that out, I know I'm going to experience another level of freedom at an emotional level, at a psychological level, at a spiritual level, at an energetic level, at a structural level that I've never felt before. And so my relationship with gravity is going to change. My relationship with money is going to change. My relationship with sexuality is going to grow and expand. My relationship with spirit, with God, with religion is going to shift. Everything is going to be directly impacted because everything begins with the gallbladder and the glutes. And the glutes are all about decision-making. I know I'm going to become a brilliant decision-maker because of this. Mm. So um, so I'm, I'm ready to put in the effort and the energy and go through the discomfort.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One thing I feel like is a great way to wrap up you know, for our listeners, regardless of how old you are, you know, you have a lifetime of accumulation of distortion of all of these things. And to be gentle with yourself and gracious with yourself as you go on your journey of of integration, of healing, and whether you're doing that on your own, whether you're working with a practitioner, such as Christopher, coming from that space of, you know, I'm going to be gentle, I'm going to just go on this journey of healing, and I'm going to love myself through it. And I'm not going to time it. Yeah, maybe it took 10, 20, 30, 40 years to get to where you are now. Doesn't mean it takes 40 to undo, but it's not going to take an hour. (laughs) But let's begin to.
1: Yeah, yeah, because think about it. It took 14 generations of epigenetics in order to create it,
0: Mm.
1: right? So to, to be realistic, it's easy to resolve a symptom. Anyone can do that. To be willing to put in the time to create permanent change forever, that's a different kind of commitment. Yeah. And if you're willing to make that commitment, like I always told myself, this is a 30-year plan. I'm on year 22, right? I got eight more years of chop wood, carry water to get to the level of freedom that I am here to impart as a gift to humanity. All right. Because I know that and I'm committed to it, I understand that, hey, as I peel back these layers, more stuff is coming to the surface. Mm-hmm. And the deeper I go, the more painful it is, which is a wild thing. And I, the thing I love about myself is I'm willing to be consistent and I'm willing to invite other people into my story to help me resolve these things. Yeah. And it takes a lot of courage. And it's the opposite of what I was when I began this journey.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so wonderful. So our conversation went full circle, which is yeah. brilliant. Um, how can our listeners best connect with you, reach out if they'd love to work with you? What's the best way to do that?
1: The best way to do that is to go to truebodyintelligence.com and order my book. It's on audio called free for life the u.s navy SEAL's unique journey to inner freedom and outer peace and when you're done send an email to support at truebodyintelligence.com christina will get a hold of you she'll send you a one sheet and she'll set us up on a connection call we can figure out if the true body intelligence path is what 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 you really want like you honestly want to be the best version of yourself you want to experience instantaneous permanent change and you want to be with someone who will teach you the tools so that you can be self-reliant then I'm your guy and you punch in truebodyintelligence.com and we get started
0: yeah yeah and i'll have the link in the show notes for that and for our listeners if you enjoyed our conversation today, it would mean a lot. If you left a review, it really helps the algorithm. Helps other people, you know, understand what it is we're doing here. And even if it's uh, in Christopher's story, the one star, you hated it, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and then so uh, that would definitely mean a lot. So please do that. And Christopher, any closing remarks? Anything you'd like to say before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, I want to say thank you for for what you're doing. It's it's a lot to take time out of your day. To devote time and energy and effort and love and commitment to have powerful, uh, intimate, deep conversations that you co-create with others that are impactful and give people guardrails and new avenues with which they can address their life from. It's a big deal. So I want to thank you for doing what you're doing.
0: Thank you very much. I, I I received that fully. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for taking the time, the, your energy, your attention to be here and for sharing so much of your wisdom. You know, like we said in the beginning, if one person benefits, I benefited from it. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> and I hope I, I'm sure everyone listening, I, I already know a handful of people that are going to listen to this that are going to go crazy. They're going to love you.
1: Okay, um, wonderful.
0: For all of our listeners, thank you for being here. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Get- we
1: need you right? The world needs people who are willing to go, yeah, friends, do I really want watch friends or do I want to learn about something that could benefit me and my family and my, my community? Yeah. I think I'll do that instead. Yeah. We need people like you to take heartfelt action to your own benefit because that's what makes the world a better place.
0: Mm. Absolutely. Just like I said in the beginning, you know, my life's work is to help leaders, champions, and high performers to experience more happiness, peace, and fulfillment as they create an extraordinary life without regret. If you'd like to have a conversation, see it for how I can support you on your journey, you can book that at jameal And if you're looking, obviously you're wherever you're listening to this, the podcast is here. There's plenty of other episodes, a lot of magical conversations. I strongly encourage you to check into. And I've been putting content on social media since 2015, I believe. There's about Nine hundred or so videos, blogs, all these things. you can find them on Instagram at dr. Jamil Sayed, at Dr. Jamil Sayed, and on Facebook and LinkedIn, just at Jamil Sayed. All free. Enjoy it. I know it'll help you on your journey. And in in uh, in closing, I call the podcast "Transformation Starts Today" because I have found that most people's favorite day to change their life is tomorrow, and that's why they stay stuck. Oh. So you can be different. You can reflect on what Christopher and I have discussed today and all the nuggets of gold that he shared and you can act on them. Remembering we've both said at various times, you're the one and we need you. And if you can apply, 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 listen to this more than once, share it far and wide, your life will transform before your very eyes. Sending you all so much love, wishing you the best on your journey. Take care.
1: Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for being with us today. If this conversation served you, it would mean a lot if you left a review. Share this with anyone who may benefit. An extraordinary life without regret is available to you now. Choose it. It's your time.